I see a little silhouette of a man. Fucking really? <laughs> Scaramouche, Scaramouche. Will you do the fandango? Why did you do it in an umbongo sort of a voice? I don't know, because I like to drink shit in uh, the Congo. To clarify for the listener, I- I'm talking about the advert. You've not- I've not gone full-blown full, full blown racist. You've not gone UKIP? No. Are you um, making a run for the leadership of the BMP? No, Griffin stood down. I, uh, I don't think uh, any party can handle two nicks in a row. I would love it if the BMP, the leader of the BMP, was a uh, first-generation Greek Cypriot immigrant. If I snuck in... Second, I, are you second first? I'm first-generation. First we had this argument. I'm first-generation. Sorry, I don't listen. Do you know what? i tell you what I am sitting here regretting, is I've got some chicken marinating in my... Fridge Pants. at home. Fridge at home. Which I'm going to barbecue and I, get home. I wish I'd put a squeeze of lemon on it. I'm really, I'm actually angsting about it. It's you too know late what, now. Uh, you know what I'm angsting about? What? They're doing work here around the studio. Yeah. And a, a minute before we started recording, there was a really long sustained drilling noise. And it sounded like someone drilling into some wood. And every like. 40 or 50 seconds or so. Yeah. Or maybe every couple of minutes or so. There's like this th- that that noise that sounds like someone's just just making the initial hole. With this. The, there you go. This, That's this it. noise here. They were they were gearing up for this. Listener, can you hear this? Should we just press on? Yeah, it's just. I mean, sense. I'm not going to be able to do anything about it. I love that they did it on cue though. That's yeah. perfect. <laughs> I, I'm really delighted. Um, uh, Bohemian Rhapsody. Weird weekend. Weird okay. weekend for me. Uh, we had visitors down, which was lovely, but it was so hot and I was so tired. Mm. And on Friday night, Noah was very fractious, uh, which he isn't normally. I don't know if he's teething again or if it was just too hot because his bedroom is very, very warm. Mm. Um, so he was quite fractious. He was struggling quite a lot over the weekend. And um, and um, <laughs> the... Uh, just shout over it. It'd be fine. So our friends came down. Dommy and Jamie came over. There was lots of board games on Friday. I had three Budvars, which was crazy. Probably a bit optimistic on my part, and it knocked me out. Brilliant. And then on Saturday, we spent the afternoon, a lovely afternoon, with the NCT, uh, all of the NCT mums and all but one of the NCT dads from the same NCT group as us, and all of the babies, all of whom are having their first birthdays around now. Bless. Noah sat and watched a lot mm. as they all scurried around. But, you know, he's he's clearly thinking. He's taking it all in. It's mm. all good. There was some paddling pool time. I think we left him in there for too long. Back of his neck, I think, got a bit warm because it was sweltering in Southampton on Saturday. It's very warm. Um, and then in the afternoon, I went upstairs. Noah was uh, crying a little bit. Mm-hmm. So after bedtime, so I went upstairs just to uh, settle him because if you're in there just reading on your on the tablet or on your phone or something, just having you there or sometimes calm him down. So I was up there and and I'd spent most of the day kind of half thinking I was going to drop off at wherever wherever I was <laughs> at any point. Uh, but so I went up there at about half seven and um. And and then the next thing I knew, Amy was in saying, Nick, you've fallen asleep, Nick. And I said, what? And and, and she said, she said something, mm. which I interpreted as you came up here at lunchtime or you came up here in the afternoon and you fell asleep. And then I looked over at the clock and it said 8 o'clock or 8.30 or something. Mm. And I was like... What? I just fell asleep with half the day. And and anyway, where am I? Because I wasn't mm. in my own bed. I was in the bed in the spare room because we had guests over. Mm. Um, and I thought I'd slept the whole day. And I just said to her, I'm confused. And she said, yes, I know you are. Anyway, come down because dinner's, dinner's turning up because we were getting a, a takeaway delivered. And I went downstairs. And honestly, it took me to the bottom of the stairs to have fully worked out what was going on, where Brilliant. I was, and what the hell was going on? I think I had. I think the heat got to me. Maybe. What sort of takeaway was it? It was uh, from a place called the Fat Fig. It was very nice. It was Greek food. Obviously, it was nice. We'd had rice the night before, so um, our guests didn't want to have a Chinese takeaway or an Indian takeaway. God forbid you should cook for them. 
We cooked for Amy cooked for them the first night. And why didn't you cook for them the second night? Because they offered to get us a takeaway. I'm not a monster. That's true. Um, well, that I'm not a monster. Yes. So anyway, there was lots of board games. That was nice. We played a game called uh, Gloom, which was very nice, but involves an element of storytelling. Amy doesn't like listening to me uh, tell stories for that length of time. So that was depressing. One thing I learned uh, last week was that the uh, one of the chaps uh, who does... I always get a bit, uh, a little bit kind of perplexed and I kind of love it, but it kind of makes me a little bit depressed, but it doesn't really. But at the same time, I kind of end up having couple crushes on them. But when people uh, are in a relationship with someone mm. who is into the same sort of creative stuff as them, mm-hmm. so uh, Lizzie and Connor Boyle, Yes. For example, a uh, comic artist and and, uh, and a writer. Um, Nick Wilkinson and Cy Dethan. I'm not sure if I pronounced that right. Again, uh, an artist and a writer. And and lots of other lots of other couples and and the uh I can't remember his name, but the chap who does uh, the guy who does um three bods in a pod also does a podcast with his with his partner and he and she talk about stuff as well and they podcast and I, I think Amy's maybe listened to two podcasts of, that I've done sure and quickly worked out that maybe maybe she got to hear me talk enough was what Fair she enough. worked out I I wouldn't trade our dynamic for the world because I've been with people who are similar to me in temperament and in, in terms of what they're into sure and it isn't necessarily a great mix. No, that happens. would be bad. I, I don't think I'd want to be around that either. But at the same time, it doesn't it doesn't mean I don't look at that and think, oh wow, that must be uh, amazing. Like like when you find out that a couple of swingers, and you're like, wow, you must both be really accepting of of each other's like mm. shit. But then you find out that that one's one of them's always more into it than the other, and, than yeah, the other yeah, and, and actually one sort of loving it, and the other one sort of really actually very unhappy. It's always a bit grim. Yeah, that always works like that. No one's ever happy in relationships that involves more than one sexual partner. Yes, I don't think that's true. No, nor do I. No, I think it's. Um, uh, by the way, I, I know my wife listens to this. I'm not sending you a message, darling. Don't worry. How um, ever? Never ever sending a message. No. At all. No. But but he does wish that you'd had the foresight to suggest to him that he put some lemon juice on the chicken. I really wish I'd put lemon juice on that chicken. Yep. And she's known you long enough by now that she should have anticipated that. Well, maybe. I'm not... God, no. I'm not saying that just because she's the, the woman and you're the man that she should be anticipating your needs. I'm saying there should be a mutual anticipation of needs. Oh, I like, yeah, I like that. That's good. Mutual anticipation yeah. and needs. Eh? I like a bit of mutual hey. anticipation. It's fun. Oh, yeah, baby. Oh, yeah. I like, I like the fact that uh, Nick has two mice, two computer mice in front of him. I like the fact that as he was saying, oh, yeah, he was basically, basically Manipulating fingering them. both mice. Every time, we are talking about sort of uh, multiple partners and stuff, aren't we? Every time um, the the two screens, the two monitors go off, I worry mm. that Audacity's going to stop recording. So I have to give them a little jiggle to set them off again. So we use multiple Audacities. We do. We have so much Audacity. My daughter this weekend got her final birthday presents. Oh. That's good. Her auntie came round who hadn't seen her before. And I've got a picture I'll share with you, which you can use if you like. In the mailing list. In the mailing list. I'll try and uh, I'll try and do it properly. If the listener who's listening gets the mailing list, they will have noticed that I, I messed up the size of one of the images last I week. I put it down to you doing it after up. three Budvars. Yeah, d- did you guess that? Did I say in it that I'd done it after three Budvars? You mentioned something about Budvars, but it's incredible. One of the pictures that is so big that I just I couldn't resize the text in any way, shape or form to make it readable. So I don't know what a single word of this year's this year's, this this year's mailing list. This well, week's, accurate, this week's, pretty accurate. This week's mail out. Um, also, though, um, yeah, she's got a lovely picture of her wearing a little red riding hood. Being the auntie. outfit, no, no, Scarlet, Scarlet okay. um, being completely overdramatic. It's hilarious. But, it's um, interesting. On a grown-up, a red riding hood outfit has a completely different impact. Well, doesn't it? this is the problem I had with it. I said to someone at work today, my problem is the construction, the materials used. It it is a little bit Anne Summers. Oh dear. I mean, obviously, it's not sexy 
Red Riding Hood. It's just but cheap. Yeah, but it's kind of that <laughs> sort of you know. Um, but, but she, um, I recorded a uh, a new podcast which I'm going to be editing throughout the week. Wait a minute. At the weekend, one that I'm not on. Yeah, um, well, I chose a topic specifically to preclude you. As I understand it, I'm supposed to be really offended by this from yes. my experience of doing podcasts. Yeah, that's what you do. She's getting the right half now. Other people, I'm. I'm not going to. I'm going to okay. rise above your um, your example. Yes, but it's about football. Yeah, I could. Which talk you would about enjoy, that. but I really enjoy it. It's a really good fun. Um, so I think we've we've created a, hopefully quite an amusing and enjoyable to listen to show if you like that sort of thing. However, um, you'd brought around the microphone that we have for me on the Friday, I think, wasn't it Friday evening? Yes. And um, Scarlett spotted it in the morning, and she she was asking me questions about what the microphone was. So we ended up getting the microphone out, and I ended up recording. I think about six or seven minute. Um, a mini podcast. Okay, so this is this is me and Scarlett, and the little podcast we had Saturday morning. Into there. So if you talk to me now, you've got to talk into that bit. Daddy. Yeah. What? Um. Why can't anyone know what I can do? Why can anyone know what you can do? Yeah. I don't know. Why can anyone know what you can do? Cause. They can look at me. They can look at you. And by looking at you, do you think they know what you can do? Yeah. Fantastic. Scarlett, welcome to Two Grown Men. Thank you for coming on our podcast to talk to me. Are you going to talk about some of the things you're excited about doing this summer? Yeah? I want to hear... All right, do you want to hear that bit and then we'll do it? No, we'll come, let's, let's come and do, do it and then we'll listen to, to all of it. Yeah? No. No, you've got to record it all before you listen to it. If Uncle Nick and, and Daddy listened to every little bit they did before they recorded it, Uncle Nick and Daddy would never leave the recording studio. They'd be there forever. So you're going to come and tell me about some things you're going to do this summer? Okay. Okay, so <clears throat> you finish nursery next week, don't you? Yes. Are you excited about that? Yes. Are you a big girl? Yes. What has been the best thing about going to nursery? What did you love? Dancing. And you made some really good friends, didn't you? Did you play a lot? I played with Harry. You played with Harry? Harry. Now, Harry, you were talking to us in the car last night, and Harry apparently is the person you're going to marry, isn't he? Yeah. Is he? Yeah. Do you think so? Although yeah. we said to you, you can marry anyone you like. It can be a boy or a girl. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, that's good. So, and um, what's the best thing you've learnt at nursery? Oh, I love playing with Harry. Just Harry. Okay. Harry. Nurse. Nurse. Yeah. Okay. Thank you for clearing that up. Okay. So, are you excited to be leaving nursery? Or are you sad? I'm sad. You're sad. Um, I'm sad about Harry. Nurse. Really? You're, well, we're going to have to stay in touch with him, aren't we? But. You've already been to, because in September, at the end of the summer, you start school, don't you? Because you're a big girl. Well, Harry, what? Will Harry not come to my school? I don't think Harry will be going to your school. Why? Um, I think he's going to a different school. Which school? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I don't know. I can try and find out for you if you like. Okay. So you've already you've already tried out the new school you're going to. What did you like best about the new school you're going to? Rhinos. The rhinos have got a yeah, because last year around Southampton there were these really lovely painted rhinos, weren't they? And they've got a really tiny one when you go into the school, haven't they? And they painted one that went around the school, didn't they? Uh, went around the town, didn't they? I can't. I couldn't see it. I couldn't see it. You couldn't see it. Thank you for clearing that up. You've seen it though, haven't you? When you've gone in, yeah. yeah. What colour is it? Um, I don't know. You don't know. Okay. And what was the best thing? What was the best thing about going to going to the school to try it out? Um, I really, really, really wanted to dance at my school. Did you dance? Uh, Do you think no? Do you think there will be? You, you can't shake your head. You have to say. You have to say words if we're recording it. 
And um, and did you meet any new friends? Who, yes. Yes. Who did you meet? Who was your best friend you met at school? Harry um, 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 Pedro. Who? Pedro. Pedro. And what does he call you? Does he call you Charlotte? Oh, I don't know. You don't know. And what are you most looking forward to doing during the summer with Mummy and Daddy? I really wanted to go to my school. Uh, but are we going to go on holiday? Yeah. Where do we go on holiday? Devon. Devon. Really? Do you like it in Devon? What do we do in Devon? Um, we go in the pool. And we go in the swimming pool, don't we? We like it in the swimming pool. We have lots of fun. They've got a lovely um, solar-heated swimming pool that's so cold... It, it makes Daddy think that things are going to fall off of him. And what else do we do? Like almost when he goes in ice. Yeah. Oh, it almost likes going in ice, but he doesn't even want to go in, in the swimming pool because he'll get all sick and yeah, all of his pieces will break because um, Queen Elsa will fielded her as a snowman. That's true. Did the did the cold ever bother you, Scarlet? No. No. Um, and what else do we do? What what do we see? What do we see that dragons have made? Dragon eggs. Do we see lots of dragon eggs in Devon? Yeah. Have we ever seen a Have we ever seen a dragon though? No. Not yet. Yeah. And what else? Do we take the doggies to the beach and walk the doggies on the beach? And where? Yes. And where else do we go? Do we go? Where else do we do we go to the big sheep? The big sheep, and what was it? The big sheep. What did we see at the end of the day at the big sheep? Sheep racing with, and what did the sheep have on their backs? I don't. Do you remember? No. Do you remember they had little jockeys on them? What were the, jo- what were the jockeys on the back of the sheep? I didn't know. They had little teddy bears. Do you remember? And you had a little bet, didn't you? But we didn't win, did we? Our sheep didn't win, unfortunately. But was the big sheep really good fun? Yeah. If someone went on holiday. Daddy. T- yeah. What did our, our sheep didn't win? I think it was drunk, Scarlet. Um, and if someone went to North Devon on holiday, would you recommend them going to the big sheep? Yes? Yeah? Okay, do you want to say bye-bye? Bye-bye. Cool. Thank you, Scarlet. Thank you for talking to can us. Can I listen? Yes, you can listen now. I obviously haven't heard that yeah. before. Um, and, and I was quite moved to hear the to hear it really i haven't i haven't heard it yet listener i can't even pretend i i worry sometimes that when i think there's an audience that sometimes i can be a little bit too adult in my humor with her i don't mean rude i don't mean i go blue but sometimes i I try and be a little bit too knowing with her you're subtexting it yeah yeah you're doing it you're you're trying to create that that level that we all kind of we we all harken back to with the children's programs of our childhood mm. where it's like oh but you can enjoy it at a different level because there's loads yeah. of rude jokes in it but actually loads of things like Mr Tumble and stuff like that probably mm. don't have the subtext but I think maybe it's something I'm passing on to my daughter is I've always been aware of when there's an audience oh no so I can be quite shy but I can tend to I tend to perform I remember very vividly when I worked for a supermarket and worked mm-hmm. on a Friday evening on the checkouts, if one of my friends were on the checkout before in front of me or behind me, we would generally put on a little performance so we'd have banter, amusing banter. I it's it's almost poisonous. Yeah. Yeah, I, I know I know that feeling. You like to think we mm. you tend to think that uh because we're not very uh, despite the fact that we do as many podcasts as we do, we don't tend to be um we're not really performers. We're not really extroverts. I, I, and yet I can, you still kind of end up acting up. Yeah, I'm an introvert in uh, the company of strangers and extrovert in the company of people I'm comfortable with generally. Are you worried? So do you, do you think that maybe there's a slightly uncomfortable edge to you performing, to you acting up in that way, in that you, you think that maybe it speaks to a slightly insecure part of you that needs 
needs the approval of crowds. Oh, without a shadow of a doubt, yeah. And so the fact that you're kind of making Scarlett do it, you think, well, it's a, you know, it's a nice thing. It's good. She gets to enjoy uh, putting on a little performance. But are you mm. worried that the underlying? Well, I'm worried for I'm worried for me, especially when I drag Scarlett into it and I'm using her as part of the performance by being all knowing yeah. for adults. I'm sort of worried that a I'm doing her a massive disservice. Yeah, you're exploiting not, her. Yeah, not in not commun and not communicating to her. I'm exploiting her and I'm not communicating to her at her level. But at the same time, she rolls with it so nicely. It's um, She's a good it's girl. It's very hard not to. She, she is very good, very well behaved. We're very lucky. Very sweet, charming little girl. You've done all right so far. Yeah, but, you know, we're only four years into the project, you know. We'll <laughs> the see. project. We always say that you turn into your mother or you turn into your father. Mm. Um, and maybe we don't turn into our parents. Maybe they have programmed us yeah, to maybe. become like that. And it's just our programming taking hold. And that's the thing, isn't it? That's the fear. Mm. You don't want to be doing that. Well, um, I'm going to the doctors tomorrow and I'll be tested for diabetes. So we'll see if I'm turning into my dad. Oh, gosh. Really wish I hadn't had a, 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 a thing of Frutella <laughs> at the weekend. Really regretting that now. Um, Chewy, you it's going to stay in the system. It's not like a drug test. Chew. If he if he finds diabetes because you've got diabetes, that's a good thing. You don't yeah. want to trick him you've into not noticing it. You've got frutella flavored diabetes. <laughs> What's going on? Um, the thing I noticed earlier on is there's actually a subreddit because the way Reddit works is there's all of these little sub forums which I find c confusing because um, they're not all on display because there's so many of them. So I'm like, are you posting to the right community? What's going on there? The subreddits work in the same way as sub tweets where you passively aggressively talk about someone that probably may or may not be reading your timeline. There is plenty of passive aggression on Reddit, but it isn't, it isn't part of the structure okay. like that. Um, but there's, I, I, I realized earlier on while doing a search around, search around Reddit for something else for the, to see if I was posting in the right place. Um, there's actually a subreddit called Raised by Narcissists. Brilliant. And I thought this could be interesting. I might have a look at this just for amusement value. And uh, it's actually all very it's all quite serious it's quite intense it, and i should have guessed really it, it's all quite intense and it's all like there's lots of uh talk of there's a kind of as uh not syntax but a language that you use for things like n n father or n mother is narcissistic mother narcissistic father e mum e dad is enabler i had to look up the e one enabler mum enabler dad and i thought well this could be a at least funny or maybe I'll find somewhere that's helpful. And what I realized was I found somewhere that would turn me into more of a basket case than I already am. Brilliant. There's so much truth in there to to the experience that I imagine lots of people have growing up. But it's I already have trouble letting go you, of my childhood. Did you did you worry that you you may you may have experienced an N and an E? I no, I def I definitely did. And I've been an E, and I've probably been an N as well. I like the fact though that you went to a a, a, a um a thread about narcissistic parents and decided it was all about you. Brilliant. <laughs> well, top works. There, there, there is. I mean, that's the thing. There is a level of narcissism. To, I think I'm the E. Um, that in this relationship, yeah. yeah, there is a level of narcissism in being on a forum and and writing into a forum and yeah. posting on a forum anyway there's a there is an argument that says that having a child deliberately is an act of narcissism a very good one actually uh, a very a very good argument a very well, strong have, argument you get to have right. sex well there's that as well but if you're deliberately having children then then there is an argument to say that it is one of the most narcissistic well, isn't, isn't the perpetuation of your your genetic material obviously no, it's quite narcissistic yeah, yeah. So it's uh, and and the idea that you don't nobody has a child because they think they're going to be a bad parent. You don't think I bet I could really fuck a kid up. Uh, I should have one. That's a, just to test it out. You don't. Well, Everyone I think, thinks they kind of. I think you're talking from middle class, um, uh, middle class good parent uh, position of privilege. There, I did. You don't know what the motivation of a bad parent is. Maybe no, they really want to. Maybe like they they're generally motivated to fuck up another life maybe there are some parents who think my life's been so awful i'm going to bring another life into the world and make that i say to them at, at best you should get a dog yeah and try that and out even first. then probably not because i quite like dogs the good parent bad parent paradigm 
does mm. tie into something we'll be talking about in a minute. Yes. Shouldn't have mentioned the good parent, bad parent paradigm right now, though, because I'm about to uh, talk about some feedback we got from one of our listeners. I don't want to apply that he is a bad parent. Well, I think he's probably a good parent, or at the very least, an all right parent. He, he seems to be at least as good as we are. Probably better. Well, he's had more experience, though, to be fair. Well, I, I suspect that he might be better even if he hadn't had more experience. He's better than me because he's capable of like regularly giving feedback to individuals in a sort of really engaging and concise manner. That's true. Whereas uh, the best you can hope for from an email from me is, Hi, hope you're okay. Bye. <laughs> That's true. If you even get a reply. Um, the I'm very good at replying. They're just not very... Long-winded replies. They're That's true. Quite Long-winded. You mean? Yeah, like you. Mean, you. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I see. Uh, we got an e- we got an email from Matt Farr, who is one half of Dissecting World and also one half of the Parenting Partnership, the Fars, the who Far have, Household. Who have two children, two LOs, I believe is the internet term, which is little ones. Oh. Uh, uh, two boys. And um, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna kind of scoot through this because what we'd normally do when we have an email with feedback in it is is we would think oh we'll just brush over it and then we'd actually read it all out. Yeah, that's what we normally do. Um, uh, by we I mean James. So uh, one thing he was we talked very briefly about what you'd call um, genitalia, what you call genitalia with mm. your children. Um, he suggests maybe we're overthinking it, which I think is a bit unfair, but. Maybe he thinks that people overthink it, not specifically us. But he says that his son uh, refers to his as Willy Willy, and he has no idea why he named it twice, but there you go. So good, he named it twice. Which I think is probably the thing. It's like New York, New York. Maybe it's Mm. a Willy, but it's in the area, in the subset Mm. Willy, maybe. Maybe it's it's his Willy, and its name is Willy. Like Thor and... So, Thor. like, it's Willy lives in it. So his his genitals are called Willy. That's the state. Yes. But then his Willy itself is like New York City. Exactly. So it's Willy, comma Willy. Yeah, I think it's Willy, Possibly. comma Willy. He hasn't put a comma in there. As but. an aside about Willys, um, that's what mine gets called around my house. Mm. Um, Scarlett was going to bed the other night. I was fully clothed when this happened. I was going to bed the other night. Nicholas said to her, "Kiss your daddy good night," and she kissed my Willy. Oh. That was weird. Uh, Amy Amy said that because Noah's at the age where he quite likes touching his willy. Not the age. I mean, yeah. he's, he's, he's reached the age that is going to last yeah, for the rest of his life. He's discovered it, yeah. Um, Although but, I, I found that girls are no less curious about their genitals. I know, for sure, of course, for now. But it, it gets um, shamed out of girls in a way that I don't think necessarily Have I told boys. you the story where I had to desperately not shame Scarlett the other day? No. Uh, Tell me quickly. Really quickly. She was lying on the floor, didn't have any knickers on. Um, We have a little um, clockwork mouse, a wind-up mouse. You pull a a thing out of and he scuttles along the the floor. This uh, story's making me so tense. It gives out a very strong, powerful vibration. She had it next to her and was con- pulling the cord several times, my instinct was to shout, Scarlet, what on earth are you doing? Um, in the end, I just managed to, you're right. <laughs> and uh, went off and told Nicola because I didn't really know what to do about uh, it. At any point in telling that story, mm. did the spectre of worrying that you're exploiting, <laughs> exploiting, <laughs> that's... That's a brilliant story, but it made me really uncomfortable for some reason. I think that's more my problem than your problem. I'm just sharing. I mean, I don't, I don't think there's anything in it for. I don't think it's exploitative. Bless her. She's just discovering her, her body and things that that feel nice. It I almost, have to get over this, not you. Yeah, it, you're it, fine. It, and I think what's worth remembering actually is a serious point. What's worth remembering with stuff like that, it probably feels great. Probably felt mm. really nice, but in no way is Scarlet sexualizing it. No. It's just, it's part of her body. It's like eating an ice lolly is lovely. You know, it's like clapping your hands and making a lot of noise is lovely. When the vibrating mouse touches her vagina, it's a pleasant experience. You know, she's just trying stuff out. But I had to be really conscious not to have an adult reaction to it. I think that might be the title of this episode. Yeah. Um, the the uh, something in there, something from that little section. <laughs> but Noah has uh, Noah has taken to uh, like touching himself a little bit yeah. and um, quite a lot. Well, whenever he gets the chance, really. So not unlike me. And um, 
uh, Amy was saying, uh, Amy said the other day that while she was changing his nappy, after she'd finished changing his nappy, she's pretty sure he was getting her, because what he does is he takes, when when we're, uh, when we're he's got one of his books that has like a button that makes music or the that's mm. not my books that have the textures on, he takes your hands and puts them yeah. on it. And, uh, and he apparently took her hand and tried to get, like, and was getting her to press him through the nappy and she was Brilliant. like it was a bit weird Brilliant. so she she made her excuses yeah uh, paid made her excuses and left yeah. um, you want to be careful though mate don't leave any weapons near him Nick and just sort of sleep with one eye open yeah I'm yeah I'm, I, uh, yeah obviously um, that's what sons are for yeah. is to devour the father yeah, absolutely. we've, we've explained this already um, he he quite rightly makes the point that as long as he's happy talking about it it's fine that's yeah. kind of the point we shouldn't have adult reactions or prudish reactions to this stuff like I just did to your story I'm very sorry no I agree but it's something I've had to, I've had to you have to keep reminding yourself because you're conditioned aren't you we're doing a really good job of cracking through this though anyway yeah so, thank you um, on the subject of rewards uh, we don't want to reward behaviour that we expect as a baseline I agree with that yeah that said, they did use a sticker chart for potty training, but it was—it didn't come with any promise of longer-term rewards. It's just that three-year-olds kind of like getting stickers. That's true. Uh, although he he rightly noted that he thinks it might be as much about trying to um, go down the path of fiscal responsibility. Although he thinks that's a bit optimistic because kids well, don't. Matt, Matt suggests we skirted around the idea. I thought it was quite explicit. That actually, that's kind of what I was. But we only probably said it the once. Yeah. But that's definitely where this was born from. She wanted money to buy something. We need to create a wiki. Yes. Um, I'm not doing that. And explain what it is we're actually talking about rather than the bits yeah, we end up talking about the most. True. Um, the kids don't seem to have a lot in terms of deferred gratification, so really it just becomes a monthly trip out to Toys R Us. They do do a bit of saving, he said. Um, but eventually he realised that he could save for a bigger thing. I mean, I'd, I'd say that that's absolutely right. It is optimistic. Well, it isn't so much optimistic as part of the reason you do it is because they don't naturally understand about saving. And the truth is that if it isn't, if there isn't a foundation of it, if they don't, unless you tell them all about your money situation all the time, which no, which no parents really going to do. You don't want to worry them like that. Yeah, she don't want to hear it, um, and she's going to worry about it. Then it, 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 you don't expect them to care about it that early on, but they could get to the age of fifteen or sixteen and never have had any sense of what money is worth or what you can do mm. with it. You don't expect them to be good at it. But you hope that they'll at least have some idea how it all works by the time they get mm -hmm. to a certain age. Um, uh, uh, one thing that it's kind of not related, I think this is actually a psychological thing, but Amy said that up until quite something that she picked up quite early, but that her sister didn't uh, until she was quite a bit older. Amy's sister is a little bit older than her. And that you can see in small children, it's just the simple the simple thing that if you if you have, say, a cake or a mm. biscuit and you break it in half, mm -hmm. most kids will like that because they can have one in each hand. They think they've got two biscuits. Yeah. And apparently Amy sussed quite early on, well, no, I've just got one. Mm. I've still only got one biscuit, whereas it took, it took her sister until the age of about 18 or 19 to realise that isn't how numbers work. Wow. Um, and it's kind of, uh, uh, and I think it's, uh, I, I might be lying about the age a little bit. For how many, how many biscuits does she think she's got now when you see uh, her? I don't know. Buying presents for her must be really easy. You it is quite easy. You just borrow that you take the present off yeah. her. You break into a house, break yeah. a bit off the last present you got her, <laughs> give her it, wrap it up for her. That's exactly how it works. Um, and then he sort of said they've gravitated towards the idea that kids, the kids know they get a certain level of stuff just mm. because they do. Um, because they just do. Mm. That's that's the way his... Uh, he. I would say because... Um, they just do. Oh, okay, forget it. I'm getting all wrapped up and tangled up in syntax, but it's all fine. It's yeah, okay. just just be calm, Nick. It's fine. <sighs> it's so tense. I can see why you always fuck it up. No one's here to test you. 
But one thing they do do, which I find quite interesting, is uh, although he says we don't, uh, that, that they're getting away from having a transactional transactional relationship with the kids over their behaviour, but maybe basing one more on social blackmail uh, is that actually better? Where instead of getting a reward for good behaviour, like a good report card or something that's specifically for them, mm. what they do is the whole family gets to go out for dinner or to the cinema yeah, as nice. a reward, um, with the understanding we are all going and doing mm. this thing because. Um, one of our because you did well we are all getting together that's fine as long as the family still enjoys spending time with each other but if like me you get to about the age of 13 and spending time around your family you'd really rather be in your bedroom there's no real incentive or or you could say that I think that's a really solid way of teaching like social responsibility that um, by achieving you can benefit everyone so that's a, it, brilliant. He's bringing up socialists. Very happy with that. So I'll twist it round to like my sort of confirmation. sort so, of. So is that like when when uh, something goes missing or gets broken and mm. neither of the kids will admit to it? Yeah. So you punish both of them. Absolutely. Right. Okay. Fine. Yeah, that's how that works. Um, and then if they still won't agree to, if they if they still don't like buy in to what you're trying to achieve, you send them off to a stalag. Okay, that works. A stag. Stalag. Yeah. You don't send them off to a stag party. 14 year old no. boy, that would well, be so no. good. Well, I don't know. A 14 year old boy, I'd have quite liked to have gone to a stag party. <laughs> Especially um, the sort featured in the Tom Hanks film uh, Bachelor Party. Oh, not um, not Castaway. No, I wouldn't have wanted to go to that Bachelor Party. Or Saving Private Ryan. I wouldn't want to. Well, maybe Shaving Ryan's Privates, but not Saving Private Ryan. In Vietnam, Ryan. they were 19. At what? Stag week, what? No, the average age of a soldier who goes to war. Apparently that's not true. It doesn't. It sounds quite old now that I think about it. Yeah, I think it was. I think Paul Hardcastle's statistic was wrong, wasn't it? Um, I suspect Please don't that write his, in. I suspect that his credentials as a statistician were not mm. great. No. Possibly. No. Um, it's just occurred to me, actually, that if we're inserting, how long was it? About six minutes. Six minutes six at least. Six minutes, Dougie Fresh on. And if you cut any of her, because it's all gold. I'm not going to cut any of her. I'm yeah, much more no. likely she to cut She was delighted you. with it as well. Um, I heard uh, Bohemian Rhapsody twice at the weekend. I've heard it about three times this podcast. Well, yeah, but I, the reason it's in my head is I don't think I'd heard it in a couple of years. Mm. But I heard it... Um, twice at the weekend once because I was rooting through Muppets videos to show Noah and I noticed there was a Bohemian Rhapsody one Mm. and then later on it just came up on a Spotify playlist that someone was playing while we were playing games gracious Um, and we had a long conversation about Freddie Mercury and then a really long conversation about AIDS that I'm probably not going to go into right here All right. but um, one thing and the listener might disagree with me about this I don't know Bearing in mind, I just mentioned we had a long conversation about AIDS, and then I'm saying that the listener might not agree with me. James is probably probably every sphincter on his body is tightened up. Right? It's nice, I like it. But um, that Queen are kind of unique, especially around the Bohemian Rhapsody, for, because I you, lots of people detract um, that, like say the Beatles are overrated or or nearly any band that was super popular you will hear people also saying oh they were just overrated they were rubbish they were doing they were lifting from this or they were doing that um I I don't know if I've ever met anyone who didn't think Bohemian Rhapsody was kind of a fucking classic of course it is yes but it just it's we don't Maybe instead of trying to base some sort of social unity around ideologies and stuff that we always mm. seem to, there always seems to be uh, quite divisive factions on, we could maybe pick Freddie Mercury and and the, the works of Queen in their heyday. Not all of their stuff, because people aren't sure about Breakthrough. And the video on the train is a bit weird. I don't know. but it, And I think it's fair to say that they were declining at that point because for poor Freddie wasn't very well by mm. then, I think. Um, but generally speaking, you hear a lot of people complaining about a lot of things, but nearly everyone seems to agree on Queen at their best. I uh, follow someone on Twitter who likes to claim that Queen is sparks for C words. And um, there are times when I'm inclined to agree with him. Is sparks for... Sparks. So oh, the band Sparks. Sparks this down and beginning up for the book. Really, though, do you think? I think they're very different. Didn't they kind of I form love... like spark, spark off... 
mm. no pun intended, electronica and stuff like that yeah. a little bit more than rock. I love Danny Baker's take on Queen as well. He was not a fan either. Oh, oh, okay. Well, you've mm. spoiled my idea. Mm. You've basically fucked the opportunity for social unity. There is a lovely, there's a lovely piece in his um, first part of his autobiography, Going to See in a Sieve, where they come into the record shop in London that he was working in at the time. Um, and the manager basically tells them the weff off. They come in sort of crowing about their new album, how wonderful it is, and the um, the manager tells them that he thinks it's shit and asks them to leave. Was he a bit of a punk? Were they punks? No, Danny no, this Baker. is pre-punk. Danny, Danny Baker was a big prog fan. Ah, hmm. Once, I don't was know. once given a shirt by Mark Bolin in the same record shop as well, apparently. Is prog like prego? If you like. Okay. It's more, it's more like progressive rock, but we can... We it's can a prego talk. rock. Yeah, rock made by pregnant ladies. Um, I don't... Well, you see, that just hey, spoils Nick. everything. I honestly thought... Because I, I was trying to think... I can't think of a single sick joke about Freddie Mercury dying. I've got a potential... And we've had enough time to come up with them. That. I've got um, a potential segue for you. Do you want, do you want a segue? Yeah. Okay. Uh, Nick, uh, to make a record album as a pregnant lady uh, in the uh, fast-paced world of rock and roll, you'd have to be some kind of, I don't know, perfect mother. (laughs) Do you know what I think, uh, who I think a perfect mother and a perfect wife would be? If you say Kirsty Allsop, I'm leaving right now. Oh, I hadn't thought of her. Is someone so engaged uh, with what their husband does yes um with not just with what their husband does with what their husband and his friends do mm. and and those things that do that like rather than point blank refusing to listen to any podcasts yeah. that he might or might not mm. be involved with mm. um instead actually suggesting things that they might talk about Oh, are you blowing smoke at the bottom of my wife? Well, you know, if I if I do it, maybe you won't feel the need to for the last twenty minutes of this podcast. Well, when we talk about her, I feel inclined to. I'm quite fond of her. Um, Someone, a listener, pointed out that this listener happening to be uh, James's wife, Nicola, um, on on Facebook, that uh, she she pointed at a an article on the New Statesman. There are two articles that I want to talk about this week. And we're running out of time, so we're going to have to get through them quite quickly. But they, they're they kind of both linked in, in, my, uh, in my mind. One uh, was shared by Nicola, and it's titled, it's got one of those really annoying uh, headlines that isn't actually a headline. It's just the first sentence of the article, which is, uh, motherhood is not enlightenment, and we should not condemn mothers for human frailty. I think people do headlines like that just in case you can't be asked to actually read the article. You get the gist of it just from It's the, very new statesman as yeah. well. Uh, that's by Glosswitch, who I am informed is a feminist writer by James, but I wouldn't know that. Um, and the other one is uh, How Becoming a Father Changes Your Brain, uh, written by Christian Jarrett for Wired. They're very different pieces. Much more matter-of-fact headline there. Yeah, one is uh, one is very much a commentary piece on some stuff that's been happening in the news, but we're going to glean something else out of it, I think. And another is based on a very uh, some very limited research that's been done into brains. Specifically, the brains of fathers with new children. Thirty-six-year-old men, from what I could make out. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's uh, which um, one at one point it does make that's interesting is that lots and lots of studies and research has been done apparently on on the physiological changes that go through the, the uh, go through the brains and well and bodies obviously of of uh, new mothers, mm. but very little research actually gets done into men. Like we've said, like I've said lots of times, patriarchy is a trap for all of us, man. We should smash the yeah. patriarchy. We should get out of the way and let women smash the patriarchy mm-hmm. uh, because they have a better idea probably of how to. Yeah, quite right. Here. I was literally just pandering to you when I said that. Really? Um, the, the basis for The basis for the post... Uh, uh, that, that Glosswitch wrote, it, it's, it's, it's based around recent, um, recent news about the uh, death of um, Peaches Geldof, which we're not going to go into. I don't, I don't necessarily think it's helpful. The one thing, that, one thing that's quite interesting, though, a lot, a lot of this post is about it's, 
it's kind of about how society judges mothers, mm. but it, it, it's it's kind of also about how society judges famous people, which was what I what I thought when I saw all of the headlines about Peaches Geldof the other week. Um, it is w- weird, but the tangent that I drew from it is so society, and we're all kind of complicit in this, feel that we own famous people. But to a lesser extent, or maybe to a greater extent, I don't know, we feel that way about parents as well, and definitely about mothers. There's a lot of judgment. uh, There's a lot of um, commentary, and people find it difficult to see a pregnant woman or a a woman with a a small baby or a young child and not feel some ownership, feel like they can pass comment on that. They become public property. We've we've talked about that a lot. Absolutely. Um, the truth is, it, it's not. The truth is, I think that, and we've talked about this loads before. I think that pressure is on parents in general. I think people feel they've got ownership of parents in general, but obviously, it's something that is is more directed at, at women because they're normally the primary carer. Because society tends to judge women more harshly and feel it's got ownership of them more anyway, and um, and also because if you're pregnant. You're obviously you're obviously pregnant, whereas men can wander around unencumbered by babies all the time. And but society just generally judges anyone that it thinks it can hold court on, doesn't it? Well, maybe. When I read this, mm. although um, although I think that emotionally speaking, there's a, there's an awful lot of this article that's that would speak to. Certainly, you said that for Nicola. There was lots of the, the lots of this that she recognised pretty immediately. I think I don't, I, I'm wary of speaking for Nicola, mm-hmm. but yeah, absolutely. I think there's stuff that chime with her, where she has felt um, she has had expectations of herself of uh, that that chime back to an idealised version of mother. Mm-hmm. That I, I have my own theories about, and I think sort of chimes back to we are essentially living in a society where our societal rules kind of have been born out of of, of the the Christian texts mm. and so forth and obviously the most powerful of those Christian sects at the, the Catholic Church and at the centre of the Catholic Church is the worship of the Madonna mm-hmm. the you know Mary the, the the mother of the mother of Jesus and and this sort of this sort of perfect idealized version of, of the mother as being an almost sort of um you know, the giver of life, almost sort of being a deity. And, you know, I've read that some Dan Brown, so I'm aware of sort of goddess worship. I listen to a bit of Madonna. Yeah, absolutely. So like I'm, a virgin, Papa Don't Preach. And the Beatles, Lady Madonna. So I'm aware yeah. of all of these things, children at your feet and so forth. But I think there is a certain society has, throughout the ages, idealised the state of motherhood. because, But it's the they're the, the giver of life, aren't they? You know, it's... Mm. Anyone, and maybe that's why the whole of society feels it's got some stake in what they're doing. Mm. There, um, anyone who listens to, who reads the show notes to this show, mm. um, and has seen generally how they go, will have noticed that most of the rest of the podcast has probably garnered about two or three links that I'm going to have to find. Yeah, and the last five minutes maybe yeah. <laughs> found boom, boom, Madonna, boom, Dan Brown, <laughs> brilliant. Uh, it's good though if you want to uh, if you want to buy any of the songs that we just mentioned. Follow the links to Amazon that are in the show notes, yeah, and we'll get a do. little bit of kickback. Nice. Uh, show notes will be on the site on the post for this on the site. Um, uh, be, wear your shades before you go there, though, because it's a pretty ugly looking site. <laughs> I think that I think that you, there's there's definitely something there, but of course I think that religion. Religion isn't necessarily the source of that. Christianity isn't necessarily the source of that so much as Christianity, when created, served very specific purposes about controlling people in particular ways. And and so... Well, the Catholic... I mean, the Catholicism yeah. slotted in certain yeah. s- beliefs that are... Things that made time sense to memorial. The, the old and men I, in charge at the time. Mm. Um, yeah, but I think, there's, I think there's something in that. It's definitely idealised. But it's... Uh, the, the the reason the reason I the reason I kind of want to make this not just about women is because I'm a man and that's how patriarchy works. But also, <laughs> but also kind of because there's stuff that I I kind of related to in this. Sure. Um. That's that's been on my mind. 
um, and definitely has been on your mind and I'm sure we've talked about before. So just uh, I've, I've actually used a highlighter on some bits. I don't think I sorted it out on yours though. Um, one of the 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 uh, Glosswitch starts out by talking about an incident um, an incident when I think I don't know if it was her first child. Yeah, her first child was quite young, and she was finally able to drink alcohol again, and ended up blacked out drunk at the bottom of the stairs because she hadn't drunk in a really long time. And her observation is, well, I could have died. You know, had I had I yeah, died, yeah. what would people have said? And of course, people would have said something. But she had so much to live for. But but how did her entire life not just change the second she had a child? Yeah. And how how did yeah. she not start thinking about the child? Um, and she she actually says that um, while carrying on along that line, she says that one can be a mother, a mother who loves her children very much, yet still do selfish, self-destructing, self-destructive things is hard for people to accept. It is inconvenient. Mothers should not be weak. They exist to absorb the weakness of others. So human frailty cannot be part of the motherhood story. Now, the double the double ended the story that I keep recycling was about my uncle who. Um, the other side of the the other side of that particular coin sword um, is that men are supposed to men generally are supposed to be the providers and not be that fluffy and nurturing and stuff like that. And you and I certainly find that the amount of contact we have with children is mm. it, with our children is unusual, and we're still having to try and find our own way to that as are any other guys in the same position as us yeah. because that isn't that isn't how we were brought up mm-hmm. um, and it's certainly not what society expects of us um, we've both also got wives who had more earning potential than us but that's a whole other thing it is it's a whole different show um and the other thing she says is that the mere existence of my children has not miraculously saved me from being the flawed person I was before they arrived. Um, I realise how painful such confessions must be to people who want children but do not have them. And there's a, there, and that's also kind of true because if you don't have kids, the idea, the idea that's sold to everyone is that you just know. We've definitely talked about mm. this before. When you have a kid, you just know. Don't worry about dropping it. You just you just know how oh. to look after a baby when it comes along, and everything will be fine. And you'll just think about the child, and it will be fine. Um, and what she's what she's kind of talking about is if the, if if you're a bit broken, well, in the way that I think everyone is, if you're a bit selfish, or if you've got uh, uh, issues in your personality, or issues with um, drugs or alcohol, or you're just neurotic, or you're just depressive or whatever, the idea is that you suddenly stop thinking about all of that the minute you have something else to care about. Um, And actually, even just saying it out loud like that sounds insane. Mm. It sounds so unlikely, but it is kind of what society thinks. When uh, just to mention Peaches Geldof, but again, not to want to dwell on her, when you hear about her dying with the child in the house... Even even if you are sympathetic, even if you can kind of understand that it doesn't fix everything, you kind of think, well, how could you? And it's like, well, how could how could you? Because she was clearly fucked up in some way and that didn't all go away the mm-hmm. second she had a child. But the thing that I can relate to, um, she says, the, the love a mother feels for her children doesn't override every other emotion all the time. It's just that we would like it to. And the thing that I kind of relate to in that is is very much because I imagine you feel the same way. You kind of, you want to be the best version of yourself possible Absolutely. for your child. And it's not that people who haven't had a child can't can't understand what it feels like to feel that way because that's bullshit. That's something that parents tell people who don't have kids all the time, which makes people who don't have kids feel quite angry. Um, but what it does do is... It is unusual for a lot of us to care that much about something else, but it also amps up everything that was already there. And so instead of suddenly making you hate yourself less, if that's your problem, if you're a bit insecure or you have dark thoughts or whatever, instead of making that go away, what it actually does, especially with all of this other societal pressure on you to be perfect for your child, Mm -hmm. is it just makes you feel worse about it. Sure, for sure. Um, and 
it took me a really long way to get there and there was probably loads of male privilege in there when I said it, but that's kind of my point. That's something I could completely relate to in this. I actually beat myself up a lot more now than I did before I had a child about the things that were wrong with me. I kind of beat myself up about them before, but now it seems much more important that yeah. I don't act out on these things all the time. And so if we have a little argument in front of him or something like that, it doesn't stop us having arguments in front of him. It just makes you feel worse about all of it. You feel like you should be doing better all the time and you don't. That isn't just societal pressure. That's kind of part of the thing of doing something you care about. When you're doing something you care about, you always want to be better yeah. at it. But the fact that the fact that the narrative, the societal narrative, is that that isn't the case, that you're going to... You, how could you not, when something that important enters your life, how could you not suddenly be perfect? It, it's just an awful lot of extra pressure. I sound like I'm feeling that pressure all the time. Really, it's just something that this article brought to the fore. It's really well written, Yes, I think. It's, it's really piece. good. Um, and uh, as I talked to you about a little bit before I suspect that the 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 excuse that gave Glosswich the chance to write this was the Peaches Geldof mm. story but it actually has a lot of um, has a lot to say quite aside from that if you oh, strip yeah, that stuff out yeah, of it yeah. but of course we can't talk about anything in, in this society on any sort of platform unless it's about famous people that's just the nature that's of right. it the the other thing, uh, and it's uh, we won't spend as much time on this, uh, partly because I don't think I understood it quite as well as I could have, <laughs> and partly because by Christian Jarrett, who wrote its own um, admission, the research he's the research it's about is is quite limited at the moment. But it's basically um, it's basically there's uh, some research going on with quite a small group of fathers that has noticed uh, that over time, um, over time where men have been spending time with their young offspring. Offspring sounds really clinical, but with their young, their babies or their young children. And it's also not clear if there's a control group here either. Yeah, well, that's the other thing as well. The, um, that, that, the, that they observe neurological changes, the way the brain works starts to change, the bits of the brain that, that are active, uh, that are more active more of the time, start to change. Um. This is another one where the headline, although it's much more succinct, it is slightly misleading because the headline is how becoming a father changes your brain. Uh, the more accurate headline would be spending time with your baby if you like your baby uh, will change the way your brain works, um, which as we said, but I can't remember if it was on the podcast or not because we talked about it a little bit before. I don't know. Um when you do anything over and over again that you enjoy, I think it was in the podcast, um, when you do anything that makes you feel good over mm. and over again, it's going to start affecting the way your brain works. Do you think our new cat has changed my brain? Because I, I really like being around Frankie. I'm very fond of him. Mm -hmm. Do you think my brain's changed as a result? Would be quite well, interesting. How, how, much of a, how much of an actual tangible difference does it make? Because with a baby, you spend a lot of time... You spend a lot of time intensely focused on them, don't you, in a way that you don't... I spend a lot of time staring at him when he's in the garden. Well, I mean, if you're really... Are you worried about him or are you just enjoying Fascinated. it? Fascinated. See, I don't know. I mean, because it might be that Frankie's just taking the place of some other similar behaviour that you have, like smoking a jazz cigarette and sitting out watching grass... Or something. Okay. I don't know. Does Maybe. it feel like that or does it feel different somehow? No, it feels, I don't know. It feels like, uh, feels like love, Nick. But does it feel like a watered down version of what you were doing with uh, Scarlett when she was smaller and just kind of meandering around and you were just looking at her face there's, and going, oh my God, she's so intelligent. Her expression just changed. Yeah, no, uh, there's a lot less uh, anxiety involved yeah. in um, looking at Frankie. I'd say that if you only did that for a mm. period of time and you weren't looking, uh, also looking after Scarlet, it might start to make neurological changes. Okay. But what it's probably just doing is for the duration of the time you're doing it, uh, it's probably just chilling you out a little bit, relaxing nice. your brain a little bit. So it might dilute some of the change. I'm not a neurologist. I feel like I should have clarified that before we started talking about this. 
Why have you got a white coat on on the badge? Says Nick, neurologist. Um, that's very misleading. To get ladies. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> the, I thought that's what this podcast was all about. There, there is there is an element there is an element to this where uh, possibly because I'm I don't know if we know more about this than other people necessarily do, but there is an element of it which feels like well, but that's how you learn anyway. I kind of understand that that's how the brain works. And you're absolutely right about the control group because the it doesn't it doesn't deal with absentee fathers. Mm-hmm. The suggestion from the headline, although to be fair, the rest of the article doesn't really say this, doesn't suggest that you were there for the birth and then fucked off with your secretary mm. or, or anything like that. It's very specifically about spending time with your uh baby so it it might just be an intense version of you know how if you had people wired up while they were playing with puppies as you suggested you'd see that they got more chilled out a little bit um one thing that we i definitely noticed and i've talked about before and i think you agreed with me is where i don't have a particularly intense job um spending time with Noah when he was very small especially when they're very small and fragile and you don't really know what you're doing it was more about more than the fact that I was with my son I don't think I've ever been that focused on something oh absolutely and that's that definitely made changes even if those changes are just that you get tired a lot quicker than you're used to because you're strictly speaking not moving around loads but you are very focused in Mm. a way that your brain isn't used to doing um the writer does offer a cautionary note at the end that suggests that the problem with this is, and I think he's kind of right, but I don't think society cares enough about dads, which ties into the other thing. It puts a lot of focus on mothers, not quite that much focus on men. We're kind of, unless we actually cheat, unless we're a deadbeat dad, society doesn't, and we're on Jeremy Carr specifically, society mm. doesn't really care that much about us. Um Poor us, boo-hoo. That's what it sounded like. That wasn't what I meant at all. Um, the This does effectively... It doesn't refer to a good father. It doesn't say a good father. But it's talking about something that we kind of understand in our contemporary society and that science is actually starting to prove that uh, children who have... Um, I feel like I have to be careful with this but children who have a father whose father takes an active role or whose parents who who has both parents and whose parents take an active role it is apparently beneficial for children sure. science is kind of catching up to that whether whether that's two fathers or two mothers or you know whatever or seven I don't know um, wow that was awkward so that the but, but but yeah so this doesn't say it doesn't refer to a good father but that's what the research is talking about it's not talking about the 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 couple who are so skint that the husband is having or the husband or mother but in this example the husband or father is spending um all hours at work and goes out to work before the child wakes up and comes it's talking about the ones who spend lots of time yeah. lots of hands on time with uh, with children and the author suggests um, that is that worrying? Does it by making that a quanti- quantifiable thing by making whether or not the whether or not the man's brain is going through these changes something measurable? Does that create problems? I don't think it does, but I think the fact that he feels the need to ask that question is sensible and seems, kind of seems to worry about a potential test for whether you love your child enough yeah and and i kind of i get it because you know we've seen what happens with mothers they can't do a bloody thing without people <laughs> judging them yes yeah, true but um i don't know i just I, I just i just found it interesting and having read both of those pieces quite close to each other yeah. i could definitely see links between one between them what they're both about measuring how good a parent someone is Anyway, so that was that. That was good. Did you have anything else to say? No, I don't, no. Um, I feel like I dominated that a little bit, but I had. I feel like I had loads to say and it all spilled out of uh, me. And that's fine. Uh, we are two grown men. 
We are two grown men. We have an email address. Yes. It's 2gmpodcast at yes. gmail.com. You can send us any questions and feedback and, uh, and, and spam email and all of that stuff. On the understanding that we will feel free to discuss it on the show. Oh, yeah, absolutely. If you don't want us to talk about something you've emailed in, just say not for the pod. Yeah. You can also uh, send us voicemail by following the link on the ugly website. Um, there's a, it says voice leave a voice message or something like that. If you can bear uh, to look at it long enough to find it. At the moment, at the moment, it only lets you leave a ninety a ninety second one. But you can do that from your computer or from your phone. You might find it easier from your phone because it has a built in microphone. Um, the website is twogrownmen.net, and as I mentioned before. There are full show notes for every episode on there. You can also listen to all of the past episodes uh, on there for absolutely free. Gratis. Free. That's what gratis means, James. Yes. Did you not understand that? Thought I'd um, thought I'd just use a different word. <laughs> you can subscribe to us at all the usual places if you're if you are a subscribey podcasty type person. Uh, you can subscribe subscribe at iTunes, Stitcher pocket casts we also uh post all of these episodes up on soundcloud as well and if you are enjoying the show or even if you're not enjoying the show um it would mean a lot to us if you rate and review us wherever it is you're listening to us and maybe leave a comment um if you're listening on the site or on facebook there is a facebook page as well it's all very exciting um rating and reviewing doesn't just put us in front of other people it shows that you uh care even if it's only enough to say how much you hate us. Which, I mean, is validation. It's, valid, it's, valid, it's validation of a sort, yeah. yeah. Um, there's also a mailing list. Sometimes I get the images completely the wrong size on there, but only after a few drinks. Mm. Uh, that is at tinyletter.com forward slash... 2GM. Yeah. That's us, I think. Yeah. It's really hot in here, isn't It'll be it? Maybe a cute picture of Scarlet this uh, this time around. If Nick, are you are you? Am I sweating because it's hot, or am I sweating because of that whole um, the, the normative worrying that I was being too normative about parents? Thing? You're asking me another question. More than once uh, over the last week at uh, work, I've had to ask colleagues not to be so gender normative. <sighs> I've actually actually had to use the phrase as well because they were talking about boys and girls' toys, and I I, um, I had to put my foot down. It, it was happening near my ears, so I had to say something. You've become that person. Yeah, fuck them, they need to learn. You're absolutely right. Mm. Shall we go, James? Yeah, we should do. Right? <laughs> you said the person who is on a podcast called Two Grown Men. Not yeah. two grown people. No. Bye. Bye-bye. <laughs>